Well, good morning. If I could pull us together, that would be fantastic. My name is Pete. It's great to have you here. If you've got a Bible, I'd love it if you could turn to Acts chapter 2. We're calling this our Vision Sunday. Uh, You pick up several things if you hang around uh, Redeemer long enough, uh, that people have babies quite regularly. Uh, This is not, you know, don't stay just because you like a baby, but it is wonderful having John and Nairi here. Um, I know that we've had babies literally popping out all over the place throughout the year. I think if, we're, if, if you're a parent or you know parents, you're well aware that as soon as they've given birth, there's something to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? I remember very well, uh, my son was 18, by the way, yesterday, but I remember 18 years ago, you know, suddenly you think, oh, wow, he, he's born. It felt like a lot of work, not for me, for my wife. You know, and it was in the days when I had 10 Ps and I went down the payphone, you know, and I phoned my mother-in-law and let her know that she'd got her first grandchild. I then tried to phone my mum and couldn't get through, you know, it was those kind of things. But you suddenly want to celebrate. You want to tell everyone. Oh, I think it's fantastic. You know, the baby's cleaned up and you think, wow. But if we're really honest, that's just the beginning. You know, and it's almost like that's an exciting start. But then actually, I realise, and now I've been a parent for 18 years, you think, wow, you know, that was just the beginning. Who knows what's happened in that? And who knows what's going to happen in the rest of my son's life? And I guess I feel a little bit like that for us as a church. I feel, and maybe you're here this morning just picking up the story, I would say we've been through a sort of birthing process. You know, the reality was that we started a small group here a year ago in January. And then literally, we, we really focused on that from January through to Easter. And then from Easter through to the summer, we're having food together every other Sunday. And then from the September through to Christmas, we started thinking, oh, what would it be like to meet in a place? And how would it work? And then it's almost like we went for that launch in January, last Sunday in January. And it's almost like suddenly there's been something birthed in the last seven months. We've done our first alpha. We've seen the first two people baptized. We've had two weddings. We've had three babies dedicated, six small groups. You know, I could go on and on and say, oh, wow, isn't that exciting? Yet I'm also aware we've only just begun. And I feel that this is how Peter must have felt in Acts chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to read you a few verses. Uh, I don't think the church was actually birthed in Pentecost. I believe theologically it was birthed in Abraham about 4,000 years before. But I feel this would have been a significant time in the life of the church. And what's happened is the Holy Spirit has been poured out at Pentecost. And in fact, Luke, who wrote the book, probably in about five or six different places, just gives us a little snippet of what the church is like. The book of Acts has got this overarching theme, basically, you know, what they're to be is the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, and that is the story of the book of Acts. And so rather than just tell us about the big picture, he also every so often says, and this is what the church looked like. Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God 
and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know if you're anything like me. I've read that passage many, many times. I believe this is the inspired word of God. But I'd also like to read it from this book. Some of you would have heard of the message. Anybody read the message? It's, you know, sort of paraphrase kind of thing. This is a, a, a guy called Rob Lacey, and it's called The Word on the Street. I don't know how many people have read this one. But I thought sometimes when you hear it in a slightly different way, it helps bring it to life. Acts 2, and I'm going to read verse 42 to 47. You won't have this, so it should come up here. They're totally committed. Hang on every word the team teaches. Into community big time. Never miss the symbolic bread and wine meal. Spend hours talking with God. All of them are stunned by the supernatural stuff the team trigger off. They live in community. Everything under common ownership. They sell their stuff and donate crazy amounts to the poor. Every day they're at God's HQ, reenacting Jesus' symbolic meal, parting together, doing each other good, celebrating God, and the locals love it. No awkward neighbours hassling over parking rights. They think it's great. God's upping the numbers daily as people are having their lives sorted. And, and hopefully you get a sort of little flavour, don't you? you? You sort of think, okay, so this is what Luke is trying to describe to us in the book of Acts. It's almost like, oh, here's a little picture. And I would like to look at that this morning. I'm going to be honest, I'm going to grab four words out of this and just say, well, if I had a vision for our kind of church and what we're going to be and how Redeemer is going to be like, I'd like to take it from here. Now, now, you know, if, if you go to church lots, you might want to take the word out of the Bible. And actually, if you want a little fresh one, you could just take the one out of word on the street and I'll give you both. So here we go. The first word that I would love us to be is totally committed. That's the one out of the word on the street. And I guess if you're looking at the NIV, you'd say devoted. I think there's something about everything all in. You know what I'm saying? I'll be honest. I've never had the guts to do a bungee jump. I'd quite like to. Anybody here actually done a bungee jump? Oh, well, at least I don't feel inundated by everyone else. <laughs> We're all a bunch of chickens in this church, aren't we? Yeah, part of me thinks, I'd love to be able to stand there and look out over and just sort of think, way. And part of me thinks, no. You know what I'm saying? I just think, why do I want to dislocate every joint in my body just for fun? But there's something, isn't there? If I stand on that ledge and just think, whoa, we're all in. This is what had happened here. As I was saying, Jesus has returned to heaven. Yeah, 3,000 believers, it says. I've just made a response. If you look at the one verse before I read it, those who accepted his message, this is Peter, who preached, because the Holy Spirit had been poured out, they'd been waiting in the upper room. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and 3,000 were added to their number that day. They were totally committed to what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What's this? Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. Basically, his life. What did he say? What did he do? He remembered the poor, his radical teaching. That's what they were remembering. That's what they were devoted to. They were devoted to his death. You know, the fact is that he died on their behalf. I mean, I find it just so moving this morning in the worship and that he would die for me. 
He loves me that much. He loves you that much. I mean, that's what they devoted to. He rose again. That's the gospel, isn't it? The tomb couldn't hold him. We don't have to get together and think, I'm going to go and visit the tomb somewhere. We can actually know that it's empty. He's risen. And he didn't stand in judgment and say, I've done it. He said, you're forgiven. I've done it for you. I mean, this is what they were about. They, they repent. They turn away from what they've done wrong. They say, actually, we want Jesus to be our Lord. That means the one in charge of their life. They got baptized as a sign that they've died to themselves and they're living for they're, they're all in. I mean, I love it, don't you? You read this book and you just sort of think, they devoted themselves. They were totally committed. I often try and read the Bible and pause and think, if I was there, how would I have reacted? And I can think that even now. You know, I mean, obviously, I was named after this guy. I am called Peter. You know what I'm saying? My family, biblical family. I mean, I've got a link with this chap. I think, got it. If 3,000 responded, how would I feel? I would panic. <laughs> I think, oh, golly. There's 120 here. There's 3,000 out there. I know we've probably got a maths teacher in the house. But, you know, I don't know. What's that, 25 each or something like that? Help, I'm in trouble. How am I going to follow 25 up? That's a lot of costas, isn't it? <laughs> suddenly two small groups. Now, I tell you what, they actually had a different way of following Christ because Jesus said to them, follow me. And so as disciples, they got used to the fact that they left everything to go after him. There was a radicalness about they're totally devoted to him. They left fields and families and fortunes to follow him. He didn't actually give them these great incentives. Oh, you know, it, I, I'll try and do this and do that. He just said, give it all up and follow me. I think that's a challenge for us. Are we going to be that devoted that says, actually, I mean, we end with this song. I'll be honest, I thought, God, am I even going to be able to preach? Richard, I'm going to have words with you later. All I am, I surrender to you. And I'm just crying, thinking, God, Everything I am, totally devoted to you. I mean, this is what it's all about, isn't it? It was John F. Kennedy, wasn't it, that when he became president of the United States, said that famous thing now, which they reckon he nicked off his school teacher. There you go, school teachers inspire. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In some respect, on a vision morning, I'd even like to say this to you, it's a little bit cheeky, if you're a visitor, forgive me. If you're not a visitor, I'd just like to give you a good kicking. You know what I'm saying? Do we come on vision morning and think, what's this church going to do for me? Or do we come and say, actually, he's my Lord. What can I do for him? Are we totally committed? We'd had a prayer gathering recently, and I think it was Mark that brought the word, you know, that actually we're not about our convenience. We're about the advancement of the kingdom. I just thought, oh, God, yeah, I want to hear that. So often it can be about my convenience. No, it's about the advancement of the kingdom. William Barclay, who's a commentator who'd written on this passage, he said, we should count it a wasted day when we do not learn something new and when we have not penetrated more deeply into the wisdom and grace of God. I tell you, what kind of church do I want? I want those that are totally committed. I want those that have spiritually bungee jumped. You know what I'm saying? They've spiritually said, I've stood on the edge and I've taken a jump for him. Paul loved the church like that, didn't he? 
in Corinthians, he said, uh, when writing to the Macedonian converts, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us also. I love the fact that already in this church, there are people that have moved to the area to express their devotion. It's almost like they said, actually, we want in. People that are, I'm constantly amazed by those that give up time. People that come and practice on the band. People that come and set up. People that are out doing their kids. I love being a part of a church like that. I love being a part where people are devoted. I'd like to ask a couple of questions. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you ever made that step? To me, there'd be nothing better than people come out in the morning and think, actually, I went away thinking, no, I'd never considered Jesus. I do want to totally devote myself to him. I'll ask the question then. Have you been baptized? I think that's a biblical thing. When I was a young person, I was brought up in the church. And uh, the problem, and I know I've got three myself, with people that are brought up in the church, is they quote the Bible back to you. And that can be difficult, you know. And I remember one time my youth leader saying to me, Oh, Pete, when are you ever going to get baptized? And so being a smug Christian boy, I said, Oh, when God tells me. <laughs> and he just said, Well, he already has. It's written in his book. I would say that to some folk here. Have you been baptized? Are you waiting for something in light? Because actually it's written in black and white. Repent and be baptized. I think this is how we can express our total commitment to him. First and foremost, it's to him. So that's point number one. What kind of church are we looking for? What's our vision here? Those that are totally committed. Number two, and this is why I partly looked at the other thing. I think we're looking to build an awful church. Awful. It's full of awe. Which is why I went for the other one, celebrating God. Rob Lacey calls it celebrating God. I think the NIV says the church was full of awe. And I thought, how do I bring that across? We want, and we see here, a church that is God-focused. They've become aware of their sin. They've repented of it, but they're not flippant. You know, and I think I'd love us to build a church that is so God-focused. You know what I'm saying? Let's get caught up in him. Christianity to me is not an idea to be talked about, an argument to be discussed and won. It's not a family tradition to be preserved or a national heritage to be honoured. God is not some tame, distant and silent person. He's the one that we come and fix our eyes upon. We want to be those that celebrate God. I think part of that is that we fear God. Do we fear God like they did here? John Piper, who uh, I think has just retired but led a church in the States for some years, throws down the challenge. The absence of fear has a direct effect on the way we accumulate possessions for ourselves, the way we ignore the needy, the way we trivialize fellowship, and the way we play more than we pray. If we really feared God, he's saying that we'd live different. And I want us to be a, a, a people that celebrating God. I think a part of that is fearing God. I think that's worked out in several ways here. One, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what I love about this is Christianity is more than just some moving experience. I get moved when we come here on a Sunday. But actually, it's more than that. Christianity, it's not just some dialogue. It's not a Q&A with God, necessarily. It's understanding that this is his word, and it's going to change us. The apostles' teaching... The early testament, the, the early church was written down and recorded as become the New Testament. This is the timeless word of God. 
I don't know about you, if I'm really honest, I sometimes ask for people's opinion when I want them to back up my opinion. Are you ever like that? You know, it's like, I think, who might agree with me? No, I don't think I'm going to speak to Adam on this one. <laughs> Tim, come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I can choose people that back up what I want to say. And I think our challenge is that we can't do that with God's word. Actually, it has authority. And part of our awe of God, our celebrating God, is that we take a hold of his, his word. This is why I want it preached every Sunday. This is why we follow it up on a Wednesday. This is why I would genuinely encourage everybody in this church, read the Bible every day. Now, please, there's grace. You know what I'm saying? I'll be totally honest with you. My son's birthday yesterday. We all get into bed. He opens the presents. I didn't read my Bible. God doesn't love me any less for it, but it's still my aim to read it every day. I'm not here to beat up on you if you think you've missed a couple of days in the last week. You've missed a couple of weeks in the last month. But what I am trying to say is as a church... I think it's a great thing to get into. And if you say to me, what kind of church? Well, I want us to be those that on a Sunday that think, oh, this is the word of God. I'd love us to be in a small group. This is the word of God. And I'd love us as individuals to say, this is the word of God. What else do we see that they do that celebrate God? They broke bread together. Now, there's been a few commentaries that have said, oh, was this the Lord's Supper, or was this eating together? Or actually, did they just do both together? And I think I can just agree with all of them. I think, yeah, it probably was the Lord's Supper, and I think they probably did do it together, and I think we can do both together. But I think if I was to take this, and most commentators would say this would be referring to the Lord's Supper, and we're going to be celebrating this later. You see, you cannot boast when you fix your eyes upon the cross. It just removes it, doesn't it? Oh, how good I am at what I've done. You suddenly think, it's all about you, Jesus. And that is when, actually, we're going back to being full of awe of God. To me, it challenges me so often when I come back to breaking bread. Because my danger is, even as a, a, a preacher or church leader, you can end up thinking, oh, I've done, or oh, I've done. Whenever I look at this, I think, he's done. It is everything about him. I think it's such a wonderful thing because it takes any, to me, religion is our attempt to get to God. Christianity is God's coming to us. You know what I'm saying? And whenever I do this, it takes away any attempt that I've got to come to him. And for all of us, that could be slightly different, to be totally honest. But suddenly, this makes me constantly focus upon God. We want to be a church. Break bread together. In our small groups. On Sundays. Why not in families? Why not over meals? What else did they do? They prayed together. Prayer, we know, is more than lighting a candle. It's not just repeating the Lord's Prayer. It's not just a little wish. I mean, the fact that I can pray... The author of the Hebrew says, is only because of the blood of Jesus. Again, it, it, it takes everything off me and it makes me look to him. Suddenly, if we pray, we're a church that thinks, oh, I'm so God-focused, I'm not about me. That's why I love it when we just had a, we do a monthly day of prayer and fasting at the moment. So we just did it on Wednesday and you just think there's something, isn't there, about as a church thinking, right, I'm going to fast with that. We're going to come together and God is going to speak. I know we got on for the first Wednesdays in October and, and November and December. But please, you know, you could do it any time. We want to be a church that says, actually, we're looking to you. Prayer is, it's two-way. 
It's hearing from God, isn't it? That's why I love it. In our, in our small groups, I, I do notes, or I do some notes from this morning for the small group. And, and one of the, the questions at the end is always, make sure there's time to pray for one another. The danger is even here. We can talk about what's been happening. We want to pray in. God answers prayer. If you turn up on a Sunday morning and you've got an issue, we'd love to pray for you. Why? Because what it means is we suddenly look at him. It's not about us. It is about him. What else do we know that it means they were so God-focused? They praised God. The early church gathered together to worship. Now, again, I know theologically our whole life is worship. The way you build your marriage is worship. The way you look after your body is worship. The way that you work is worship. The way that you're a neighbor is worship. But I think here we're talking about the corporate gathering together of worship. They were a church that fixed their eyes upon him. It may be you've got a visitor sat next to you this week or next week. I can guarantee that if you've got a visitor sat next to you, you will suddenly think, golly, we do sing a lot here. (laughs) Could we just cut back on a few songs maybe? You know what I'm saying? I just want to make sure that my friend really enjoys the experience. I tell you, we've got a lot to sing about. I mean, even on Wednesday um, night, so we gather together, day of prayer and fasting, and, and part of me thinks I want to pray. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I've got all these things. And I think these people have been fasting. They're really connecting to God. I'm going to get my request in, and then the church will really grow. But actually, what we often find is we start worshipping, and it's like time slip, you know, and you sort of think, oh, golly, because I think that's the important thing. I can't remember who it was now. I was reading one guy, famous church leader, and he said this, if I only had five minutes a day to spend with God, I'd spend four of them worshipping and one asking. I said, oh wow, that's fascinating, you know what I'm saying? We want to be those that come and, and give him glory. That's why I love it, people serving us in the band. But it's not just the band, that's why I love it when people come with a contribution. Somebody starts a song, you know what I'm saying? I mean, not being funny, you just start clapping in your row. You, you start getting people going. You start swinging, yeah? This is where I realize how white I am, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you start swinging and you just get people worshiping in the church. I mean, this is all part of what it is. We are meant to be those that all bring our contribution. Hey, what, what could I read? What could I pray? What could I say? How can I come and worship him? There were miracles don't you love this? You know, it's also, it's, they were just amazed by this supernatural stuff. I long for more of that. It was great. I think, was it Tessa who said to us on Wednesday, you know, somebody had prayed for her knee and it had been healed. The downside was she's now got to go back to training for the half marathon. But the upside was she's completely, you know what I'm saying? And I know other people have said that. They said, yeah, already we've had some pray and things happen. To me, that just puts the hairs on the back of my neck up. <laughs> God is in the room. I think if there's one thing that could distinguish us from any other club, surely it's that God is here. You know, we're not just those that like sitting on comfy red chairs on a Sunday morning. We're not just those that, you know, think, oh, I'd like to be part of a, an inclusive community. Actually, we're those that believe God is here. That's why, number two, we celebrate God. Number three, what kind of church we're looking to build? Well, the New Testament, NIV, would say together. Rob Lacey, word on the street, I would say radical community. Think about this. It says in Acts 17, verse 6, and they dragged these you know, Christians in, and they said these men have caused trouble all over the world. 
You see, that's the kind of radical community that we're part of. The Greeks had given philosophy and teaching. The Romans had developed law and order, but it was the Christians that turned the world upside down. And I think there's something in that because actually of our love for one another. 1 John 3 verse 14, we know that we've passed from death to life. I think that means to be saved because we love one another. I, I grew up in a church, some of you know it was a, um, a Baptist church. And I thank God for the love they gave me for the word. But we often used to have this word at our church, oh now we're going to have fellowship together. Now, I don't know about you, fellowship together when I was in the Baptist church was tea and biscuits. That meant you all went into another room. It was a rich tea biscuit. It didn't matter how many times I turned over the plate. There was never a chocolate-covered one. You know, you'd think, there's your biscuit, there's your tea. We've done fellowship together. Now, I'm not saying that's not a good way to start. We do it ourselves here. You know, I can't knock it. Or sometimes the danger is we think fellowship is when we turn around and we shake somebody's hand. I think the, the term here is much, much stronger. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, some of you would have heard of, was a great preacher who, whilst he was taking London for storm, lived in Ealing, so I feel that we've right to quote him as much as possible. He says this, true fellowship is never anything superficial. It is deep. It is vital. It becomes the main thing in life. I would say that these people were united. Why? Because they knew something of the fellowship of God. And that's what changes us around. You see, if all we're trying to do is build community for community's sake, I think we're in trouble. We're not just trying to jump onto the latest political bandwagon. This is a God thing. It's like a togetherness. God is community. Mike Reeves has written this book, The, the Good God, and it talks all about, well, actually, he's not a selfish God because he's always existed three in one. And basically, what happened is they discovered this God, and then they think, right, I, we, we're in that community now with him, so we can then be in community with one another. That's what I think it should be. It talks about the temple and the home, basically, in the large gathering or in the small gathering. And I think uh, Anuga said it so right. I love small group. If you're not in a small group, love you to get involved in one of those. But even then, I don't want to think, oh, it's Sunday or it's Wednesday. I think they here were talking about everyday life. There was a challenge to this. I appreciate that. I was trying to work out. If you look at the list in Acts 1, they were a diverse bunch. There were people in the church from Africa, Europe, Asia, and Judea. There was probably masters and slaves in the first church. Again, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, diversity is in many ways one of the most important proofs of the reality of the new birth. So he's saying if we've really been saved, we'll express it by our community and our diverse community together. Everything's in common. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. I mean, there's, there's a, a, a togetherness, I believe, in the church, which is totally countercultural to where we live. I think this is a huge challenge. Let, let's be really frank. We so often compartmentalize our lives. If you don't feel well, you go and see a doctor. If you've got a few emotional problems, you go and see a professional therapist. We detach it out of our social settings. We live in a transient culture. We change jobs, change homes. I mean, some people even sell football players for 85 million quid. You know what I'm saying? Everything can change. But actually, there's something here about being together. 
And I think that is something of the beauty of the church. I love it this week. I'm not sure if uh, Moses is here this morning. Moses has got a new job and he's got to play like something for school. He's teaching music. And he just phoned me, I think it was Friday actually, have you got a keyboard? I really need to borrow a keyboard. I said, oh, actually, I think Isaac's got one under his bed. Yeah, you can borrow that. You know, I think I love it when we're that kind of church. We're that kind of togetherness. Now, I know it talks here about selling their possessions. And some of you, you know, you sort of wince and your hands goes to your pockets when I read that. I think this was a voluntary thing. I don't think it was compulsory. I think if you read in Acts 5, they still had their own possessions. And I think even then, you know, they said to Ananias and Sapphira, it was yours to give, and, you know, even after you sold it, it was your, you know. So I'm not in about everybody's got to do it. But what I do think it says, it says something about generosity and about giving. I love this. I love the fact that this is already a generous church. When we talk about a blueprint this morning, I think there is generosity in this church. I'm amazed at the weekly offering. Obviously, I sit in the front row, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing in it when I get handed it. And then John tells me at the end of the week what came in. I think, God, you are good. <laughs> I think that's incredible. I want to thank people for that. I know that many people don't put something in. They do a standing order. I praise God for what goes in. When kings, you know, give us the accounts and say, oh, wow, this is... We praise God for that. I praise God for the people that say, oh, come back to my home. Oh, I'd love to be able to help out here. I've got something I could do here. I praise God for the investment of time. I'm happy to serve on that team. I love it, the sense of fellowship together. Whether it be having a picnic down the park and Mark doing the swan volleyball or whatever it might be. I I still don't quite know how he managed to get his body into that kind of shape. But, you know, I think it's just fun together, isn't it? I want us to be a church that's family. Here's a measure whether we'll ever really make it. When my kids come in the front door, there's one place they go. Think about it. The fridge. <laughs> they just walk in the house, had a good day, yep. Open the fridge door and they just stand there and think, Mum, when you're shopping or whatever, you know, it's the fridge. I would love it if you came round to my house and you just walked in and opened my fridge. Now, you could put stuff in it. You haven't just got to take out. You know what I'm saying? It's a family I'm looking for. But I think, I wonder whether we could ever have that kind of, I, I genuinely, why not that kind of community? Seriously, we've got uh, lunch on our place next week. If you've not been to one of our lunches, feel free to come back. Just let me know in advance because I'll make sure I'll cook up a storm. But it'd be great to have you there. I think, you know, and, and again, that word comes. And I think, yeah, I think that's really important. That's surely the kind of church we want to be, isn't it? Community, eating together. It was Nelson, uh, wasn't it, the um, great leader, who says, I loved to command a band of brothers. And he felt this was a great thing about going into battle because he described his, his guys around him. And I think, oh, I'd love to feel that. for the church. This is the kind of people we are together. Radical community. And number four, the fourth word, and then I'm going to be done. Uh, If you wanted to look at the NIV, you'd say they were a growing church. If you wanted to look at Rob Lacey, you'd say upping the numbers. Upping the numbers. 
the 120 that were in the upper room were not there just to sort of keep the world out. That had been their, their approach. But the Holy Spirit then came and said, guys, it's time to go. It's time to make an impact. John Piper says this, when a church forgets that it exists for others and for God, it becomes ingrown and self-satisfied and can go on year after year like a social club with a religious veneer. I don't want us to be like that. I think I want us to constantly be thinking, what could we do for people that don't yet know Jesus? Surely we're believing for that, aren't we? We're not a holy huddle that are hidden away. That's why it's fantastic, I think, that um, Chris has been heading up this whole thing about the food bank. To me, this is like the church getting out and making an impact on the community. I know they had a training day yesterday. I know they got the first collection in October. I know there's a list of stuff that you can bring. I don't know if you're aware of food banks. Milk, sugar, fruit juice, soup, pasta, sponges, tomatoes, cereals, rice. There's a whole list there. We would love someone in this church to say, actually, I'll coordinate that for us. We'd love to have a box out every week. People can put the stuff in. It would then need transporting to Henwell. If you're interested in doing that, I think, great. As a church, we've already put £2,500 into this because we think we want to be here to make an impact. If Ealing isn't different because we're here, we've failed. I mean, this is surely part of who we are and what we're meant to be doing. I think we want to be out there. We want to be a church that lets people know. Some of you know this is why we've been putting out these leaflets. I thank God for the people that have done it. The date in, in Acton, I think we're probably going to meet at McDonald's this time. And uh, I thought maybe we could meet at McDonald's. If it's really wet, we might stay. No, no, we will get out, we will leaflet, it, and then meet back at McDonald's. So that's where we're going to be on the 21st of September. But it's been great just to say, we've put 50,000 of these out already this year. Prayed around. We pray around the borough. You think, oh, is that where you can come? That's why some of you know we did the, the advert on the back of the magazine, the Ealing magazine. We just think we want to get out there. We want to let people know. You might not be aware of the Ealing Gazette. You're aware this front bit of paper is called the wrap. We've got the wrap book for the 19th of January. So we will be going for that. Why? Because we want to get out there. But we don't just want to get out there. We know that we've got to be different, which is why, plug, 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 we are going to be working through the Bill Hybels Just Walk Across the Room book. I mean, if you've never read it, I would encourage you to get a hold of it. In fact, I would say this much. We, I've got them off the internet for £7.50 each. You can get them cheaper. Feel free to get them. If you just want to download it to your Kindle, feel free to do it. Sunday, the 13th of October, we're going to be kicking this off together. John, if you could just stand up, please, John, because not everyone might know you. John will take any orders. So if you want us to get you one as a church, if you let John know, he will get it. We've already got 10 copies of this. But anyone else, please speak to John so that we can get those ordered. Thank you, John. You just think, this to me stirs us that we're going to be a church. We were at this prayer meeting recently, and Adam brought a word then about Esther. Esther approaching the king on behalf of the people for such a time as this. To me, that is what we are as a church. We want to be those that are reaching out. We want to be there for, and I'm summing it up, I've overrun. Sorry, if the band want to come and get ready. We want to be those that are totally committed, celebrating God, a radical community, upping the numbers. William Barclay says this, 
If we expect great things from God and attempt great things for God, things will happen. When faith dies, achievement dies. You see, I actually don't want to finish on, oh, this is going to be our numbers, or this is where we believe God's going to take us. Where I want us to finish is fixed upon Jesus. Because if you said if there's a real vision, it's surely that we know him better. And I think that the other things that I've talked about, commitment, come out from knowing him better. I think the whole thing of breaking bread and celebrating God helps us know him better. I think the radical community comes out of knowing him better. I think numbers will grow. It actually says God added to their numbers. So in some respect, we do the hard work. You know, someone has once said, you, you work as if it depends upon you and praise if it depends upon God. You know, I'm aware it totally depends upon God. He's building his church. What I would love us, though, to say our vision surely is that we are captivated by him. We're going to break bread. I know Richard's got a song lined up. I'm just going to suggest we sing it through once just to get our minds fixed back upon Jesus, and then I will lead us in this.